This is Coda Radio, episode 181 for November 30th, 2015. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name? Why, that's Chris. That's right. And joining us every single week? Oh, you know it. It's Mr. Michael Dominic, the host of the Coder Radio program established on the East Coast. Hey there, Mr. Dominic. Mr. Time has come. There it is, everybody. Yeah, it is getting close. Are you getting hyped? I mean, be honest. Be like, because I tell you what, I haven't bought a ticket. I'm not even a huge Star Wars guy. And accidentally, over the weekend, I started getting hyped. Accidentally. Accidentally. Not really, no, I, I'm not hyped at all, actually. Really? Because here's what, you know, it's funny. I fell backwards into it because uh, I started realizing, geez, like I have never seen more preemptive promotion for a movie in my life. And I started building up this whole narrative in my head about how ridiculous Hollywood is and how they're slamming our face and how Disney is taking a franchise and cross-promoting it. And then I started to go, and how dare those jerks put all this crap on our face when that movie is, <gasps> whoa, it's like four weeks away. It's like actually almost here. Yeah, no, it's right here, yeah. Yeah, and then I realized, and then the next question was that somebody asked me, like, seriously, like they were reading my mind because I was, I was at Thanksgiving. Have you bought your tickets yet? And I was like, no. And then I realized I kind of regret that. Now, there's no way, no way in any way, no way I'm going, no way. No way I'm going opening night. No way. No. That ship sailed a month ago. Yeah, well, I wouldn't even want to be in on that. I wouldn't even want that. That's like, yeah. that's like going in, that's like... That's like going to get the iPhone uh, on opening day. It's crazy. There's a line. It's it's ridiculous. It's only only way worse, way worse. And I I can't even stand people. So that's just not a good rest. When you don't like people, you don't like crowds, and you don't like waiting in line. Not your kind of not if that's you and like me. Not your kind of evening. Not your kind of evening. Yeah. Just gotta watch uh, out. You know, I, I just don't think any movie is gonna really touch me as much as Gem and the Holograms did. No, you know, for me, yeah. Well, for me, it was Babe. You know, the, the pig? Yeah. Yeah. The way they made that pig talk, dude, it's still pretty, it just gets me all, I get all, oh, man, it just touches you, dude. So uh, guess what? It's a uh, it's a holiday coda radio in a sense, right? Because <laughs> That was supposed to be a turkey. I don't, I don't know. Uh, hold on. Let's see. Uh, how do turkeys? Go, 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 go. Oh, yeah. Boy, yeah. Let's not do that. Let's not, let's not go there. Mm-hmm. Seems that sounded like something else. Yes. Well, you see, here's the thing, Mr. Dominic. Uh, there's a couple of things that actually happened over the holiday week. We have a few things to talk about. And we've actually gotten some great uh, input from the audience on some open source projects we thought maybe we'd sprinkle a little attention to. We'll just do that briefly. And then today, Microsoft... It's so interesting because we were just recently talking about their Android bridge and their iOS bridge. And today, something it's not quite it's not quite the same thing, but it's actually maybe a much more practical, straightforward approach. And now starting to understand why Microsoft killed their bridge products projects. We have a really interesting announcement from Microsoft today. And then in the feedback segment, uh, I'm going to take it to the gut, like two, three punches to the gut. And then if I can still get a breath out, I'll read the rest of this guy's email. He tears me up. I like it. I like that. I know. I noticed. I noticed that you mm. put that one in the feedback. You selected like, that no, one. <laughs> I never look at the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Dominic. Thanks. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we also have uh, a potential job opening that uh, may be particularly applicable to the Jupiter Broadcasting crew. And Mr. Dominic himself has a little bit of interesting business news to share with us. So why don't we? Why don't we start there? Let's start with the uh, open source picks of 2015 coming out of these fine folks that you may be familiar with over at Buccaneer.io. Open source picks for 2015. Tell me a little bit about this, Mr. Dominic. This is something I've been doing every year, right? Yeah. Uh, I used to do it under my personal site. Now I'm doing it under Buccaneer. Basically, you know, two or three open source libraries or projects that really had an effect on, um, you know, the, the previous year. It's November. Nothing is going to change in December, right? So it's okay to call it. And plus Thanksgiving. It's nice to be thankful. Um, so let's just jump right into it. This year, Electron. If you don't know what Electron is, I don't know where the hell you've been. Uh, it is powering Atom, Visual Studio Code, and a bunch of other apps you've probably not heard of. Um, but it is a – how would you call it, Chris? Would you call it a, a Node.js 
not really Node, but an HTML5 wrapper JavaScript app. Yeah, it's you know this has become the big thing. You got Harupad, you got Atom, you got this is uh, this is a, this is the big thing now because uh, you can base it on uh, the Chromium base or whatever and build some really cool stuff. So, uh, didn't we talk about Electron on the show? We did way back when. Another one of our, hey, look at this, and turned. And now you have Adam. You have Visual Studio Code. You have, uh, like I just mentioned, Harupad, uh, and and a couple of others actually as well. And 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 really, if I recall, is this is this also what Sublime Text is based on? Is it like the first? Is Sublime yeah. is Sublime Text like the OG uh, Chromium based uh, or, or Node Node JS? No. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Okay. Not even close. Okay. Uh, no wonder I, mean, I like it more. Oh, I mean. Uh, Oh, it's a lot of text. I believe it's right. Oh, wow. Oh, are you, are I'm a little turkey. I'm a little turkey in there. Wait, are you about to lay that QT stuff on me again? No, man, I'm no. Sorry. No, no. I'm, I'm, no, I actually, actually, Adam and Visual Studio Code, I've, used, I've tried them both, and they're respectable. And Electron, too. Yeah, so that's it. I mean, very boring picks this year, by the way. Um, Chris, can you guess what the second pick is, even though you have it on the screen, so you're totally cheating? Uh... Let's see. Hmm. If I could look back over the last few weeks, think back. It's AshleyMadison.com. Yeah, it's a, of course, it's the Ionic Framework, uh, which has played a big role for you recently and something that you've – it was interesting to watch because you were obviously toying with it for a while. And then as you built more momentum with it, you brought it on the show for a little bit. And then, and then a couple of few weeks later, we started to see, oh, yeah, you've been working on something with this. Absolutely. Uh, so like I – Saying the post, saying Ionic is cheating only a lot because you're also saying AngularJS, Cordova, and a number of other things. But I, I would say that. Are you ready for the hype machine? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, I'm always ready, dude. Mobile cross-platform development toolkits. It's a game changer. (laughs) It's a freedom changer. (laughs) Actually, but you know, uh, you've been down this route before. I'm disappointed. What is the difference this time, sir? The difference I, is the biggest feature of Ionic is that it's Cordova. Mm, is that right. All it is is Cordova. That's simplification. But right, all your Cordova plugins work. If you let's say you have your super secret custom whatever plugin, you can use it um, with a little bit of Angular goodness to make your code readable and not a piece of crap. So hey. I wanted I wanted to also point out that uh, you know this this journey has sort of burned you a few times. So to be honest with you, when you came on the show with I didn't say it at the time I don't think, but when you came on the show and started talking about Ionic Framework, I thought, is this is this finally the one? Because I mean the there there, this has been an area that development shops that are at a certain at a certain size that are trying to be able to provide something of real value. And you know your thing here is if you can work with something like Ionic Framework and from and create applications of value to to other small businesses in a way that is quickly reproducible for you, templatable for you in some in some circumstances, right. and deliverable on multiple platforms, but then also maintainable. It's sort of like a secret sauce. Like I don't I, – the audience hates it when I do this, and I'm sorry, guys. But one of the things that Wirecast enabled Jupiter Broadcasting to do years ago was have real-time um, video component switching and input selection and live streaming. And then I just had to combine it with my ability to live camera switch and multitask. And that gave us a leg up because I figured that software out. Years ago, and integrated it into the production workflow. That gave that gave that at the time was just me, just a dude. That gave a dude the ability to have right. you know a handful of podcasts that were video and audio, and not only video and audio, but delivered in a couple of hours. Right after after production, and it was essentially Wirecast was my Ionic framework. It gave me the framework for media production to go through it through you know build it through this thing, make it super reliable, make it super well as reliable as it can be, and make it reproducible, right. and then and then build it at scale. And I and so it, it, I understand why you have been going down this path of well, let's try out th- this particular framework, or let's go spend you know some time over with the the the, the mono guys and and uh, well, all yeah, this. you know it's also a question of scale, right? Of, of course, if you want the you know the sexiest app, if you want to be you know the the TechCrunch darling or whatever, um, yeah, you're you're going to go double native if you want to be on both platforms. But the problem is, you know, we're tiny, <laughs> like really tiny. So the the overhead that would be required to do that 
correctly, right? Of course, you can definitely pump out two crappy native apps. Totally do it. But to do it correctly, to have any kind of quality control, um, any kind of consistency, it's just not where we are, right? It's just not. I mean, as these platforms, and every year we do this, right? Every spring, every summer, (laughs) all the additions, all the deprecations. Frankly, if you're an individual or you're a very small boutique or a small business, I don't know how you can actually be double native. So the problem I was facing was do do we want to be that one platform, right? Um, and spoiler alert, that platform would have been Android, actually. But for a reason that is stupid but kind of makes sense. Or do we want to deal with reality as it stands now, focus on more of a business market and less on the um, – uh, high-end, mm-hmm. you know, super get-me-into-tech-crunch app market and go and find a cross-platform solution. Now, Xamarin was a, a freaking disaster. I mean, there, there's just no <laughs> – there's really no way around that. Yeah, I mean, it, it just was the biggest disappointment, I think, of maybe the show. And uh, so – but it kind Xamarin of – I, I wondered if of, it was like a big enough disaster for you. If it was you would, the worst decision I, I think I've ever made. Right, and I wondered if that was a big enough disaster that you would give up on this concept. So when, when Ionic Framework came around, I mean, that was a big deal. I mean, that to me was like, okay – this isn't just some. I mean, this is you're willing to fall in love again, basically, uh, it, because because the because the fundamentals of the relationship are much more sound. Essentially, but is what it came down it's to. It's also you know, and I don't want to turn this into another Ionic show because we're becoming the Ionic Love Fest hour again. You know, we could but, go back to talking about iPhones and watches if you'd rather do that. I'm wearing my Moto 360 right now. <laughs> um, the Xamarin is asking you to make a much bigger change of life than Ionic is, right? Basically, Xamarin's asking you to change your sexual orientation, where Ionic is asking you to pick up the wet towel off the floor. <laughs> so, eh, you know, it, it, it's kind of apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it's a way better relationship. I understand. Trust yeah. me, I do understand. But I'm just thinking, myself, I'm thinking to myself here, I'm surprised you were brave enough to love again. Well, I will, to, to be honest, and then we'll get off this. It was either find a way to get a lot of money, right, uh, which would have meant investment, and nobody invests in development shops because that's insane, or you know, try to go to a bank and borrow money, which you know, credit's tight these days, right, or do something like this and focus on a market that makes sense. Um, you know, I, this is a topic for a different day, but the economics of the app market for the small company, if it's not an internal tool or some mm. sort of type of line of business app, This is not your core focus. It's not your core business. You have – It's not your core business. And more importantly, if you're the app company, right, you're the development shop, you could make the best iOS app, right? You could make the best Android app. But to really do that and have a team of like two people, right, or three people, or let's just say below five, you – I, I could be wrong. I mean we're, we're assuming you're not offshoring a bunch of it or doing other kinds of weird contracting stuff. Um, you, I, I do not believe a team of that size can really produce something um, for that like you know Pando Daily TechCrunch market um, without VC funding or without you know six to nine months back of significant capital, right? Yeah, or you know you know another legitimate approach would be uh, having another revenue stream as as an existing business, and then having enough uh, a spare revenue to invest in a new project like this. Well, that's I mean that's effectively what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Uh, the difference was okay. So now, if you're going to do that, and your revenue stream is going to be consulting, you have to think about well, what do your clients actually want? Because most of the time, you know, there are very few people who can afford two really nice native applications that a small company can actually close, right? Because you know, you're not going to close BMW unless you. It's just the way it is, right? It's just not going to happen. So it kind of got into a position of, okay, we need some sort of cross-platform toolkit that looks decent and that can get the job done at budgets that you know wouldn't make Donald Trump blush or, as is more his way, scream and throw a baseball cap at someone. <laughs> Probably Carly Fiorina. Yeah. <laughs> you know. He's a jackass. And, and really, and we're going to get off this. I swear to God we're going to get off this. There's just not that many options, right? There's, mm. there's Xamarin. There's PhoneGap Classic, which probably would have been the answer if not for for pulling in the Ionic stuff. Um, 
And there's a bunch of much smaller, much more dubious like Joe Blow's framework that you can buy for $1,000 and see what happens. Um, but that's, you know, that's not something I was willing to gamble on. I'll put it to you that way. And Ionic being open source also huge, right. huge. Because worst case scenario, you know, we tried it on little things. We did proof of concepts. We wouldn't have lost, let's say, a couple thousand dollars on a on a Xamarin license, right? So that's my rant for the day. All right, Ionic people, you can mail the check. Thanks. Great. Nice. No, I mean legit. It's legit, and uh, I'm glad you put it on there. We'll have a link if you want to read the entire post in the show notes. Actually, while we're talking about uh, Buccaneer IO. I mean, it is the season. There's a Black Friday holiday uh, season offer. Like, go over there. It's hot. Like a sale, Mr. Dominic. Tell me about it. Yeah, so we're doing a little promotion. Um, from now until December 31st, um, we are offering basically a free consultation on a development project. Um, there are some terms. You can read it. There's a post about it on Buccaneer IO. But the terms are pretty simple. You have to have signing authority. You have to be able to legally enter a contract, i.e. you can't be 10. Um, that's about it. I mean. So it's going on until December 31st. A free consultation up to 45 minutes for any new mobile development project that you might be interested in getting developed. So there you go. That's actually really slick to give people a little idea, especially with 2016 coming up. If you work somewhere and you're like, we need to do an app, you guys. It is 20 freaking 16 and you want to get it in the budget. Good time to talk to Mike. Get a 45, uh, 45 minute consultation. Right there. Go check it out. We'll have yeah. a link in the show notes over at Buccaneer.io. That's pretty cool, Mr. Dominic. Yeah, you know, figure see, – see what's out there. And uh, again, it doesn't hurt you. You know, I'm not a high-pressure sales guy, so the consultation would almost certainly be with me. Um, doesn't hurt you to try it, right? Yeah. There you go. Check it out. And by the way, a little lecture, a little promo – uh, for those of our patrons over at patreon.com slash today and slash unfilter, we're going to be giving away some swag. Watch for a swag link in the show notes. There won't be uh, a link in this week because it's uh, – well, it's November 30th. But uh, we'll let you know in a future episode there will be a swag link. And if you are if you have a successful Patreon payment, you can get on that. We're doing uh, some fundraising for the network as well over at patreon.com slash today so that way we can budget plan for 2016. And uh, there is always more growth, replacements, improvements, and staffing to be done. And uh, we really want to do that with our audience in mind and not advertisers. We love our advertisers, but we like to be selective. And so uh, this is how we do that over at patreon.com slash today. You just have to have a successful payment in November of any amount for today or unfilter Patreons. And uh, watch for a swag link in the show notes. We'll tell you more about it very soon. But there is some cool swag coming up, some good stuff for Coda Radio too. So watch for that. So uh, on Twitter, you and I asked the audience uh, what uh, they were thankful for in terms of open source projects. And I just wanted to bust through a couple of these pretty quick because uh, I thought this first one from Dom was pretty cool. A Pi Music Box, which I haven't tried yet, but that does sound like a neat project. Tiny, tiny RSS. Absolutely. This is your own hosted Google Reader. You could easily throw it on a droplet or run it on a VM or on your local machine. And there's apps that can connect and sync with it too. KDN Live for editing. KeyPass X, I got to agree there too. Kodi, which is a great multimedia center. FreeNAS, if you want a really great solid backend uh, network storage box, how can you beat FreeNAS? Own Cloud, and of course, he says Ubuntu Mate. Did you experiment with Ubuntu Mate this year, Mr. Dominic? Indeed, I did. And what did you think? Did you end up sticking with it? Did you end up. Uh, actually, I did like it. Yeah, it um, it, it brought me back to two thousand six. <laughs> yes, it does a little bit. It, of that. it, it was nice. Um, a lot faster than uh, Unity, actually. That's, That's the thing. That's the I thing about two thousand six. Yeah, its main feature, especially if you don't have a graphics card. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Uh, or you know, you want to save battery. You got like one of those Intel's, and you want an Intel graphics, and you want every available scrap of power. Uh, Jayesh or Garsh wrote in. Sorry, Jayesh. Not sure. He says, I got to mention WordPress when he tweeted Buccaneer Tech and Chris Elias. I'm thankful for making it my blogging life easy. Yeah. WordPress, as we covered yeah. earlier, has gone huge this year. I mean, this is the year they really took over. Uh, Frostclaw20 says, Arch Linux, Tux Guitar, Pithos, which is a badass Pandora client, uh, if I recall. It was an app pick a long time ago. OpenSCAD, Corora Engine, Gparted, an excellent, excellent partition Gparted engine. is a great choice. Yeah, yeah. Gparted is solid, and it is a very valuable piece of software. Uh, I get lazy, and it's very nice. Uh, he says ClipGrab, which is a good screenshotting software, LibreOffice, Firefox, and last but not least, Mumble. 
Uh, Mumble is pretty cool too. Yeah, Firefox is a good call too. They don't get enough respect, really. Yeah, or Mozilla in, in whole, in, right? In general, right? Yeah. Persona was still a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I really like that they their main focus is the web. You know, uh, Google might be making a good browser right now, but uh, their focus is Google on the web. <laughs> You know what I mean? And yeah. Mozilla's focus is an open web, and uh, that feels pretty good. That's what I like. Uh, you know what else I like? Sponsors like Linux Academy. Holy oh. cow. Go check them out over at linuxacademy.com slash coders to get the Coder Radio discount and also a little vote for the long-term staying power of your Coder Radio program over at linuxacademy.com slash coders. This is really something. This isn't like any other online educational platform because they really focus on the core technologies in the whole open source ecosystems and obviously things that run on Linux. And why that's phenomenal for you is it means it's not just a checkbox in their features. It is really something they do. I, I was looking here over at some of the things. I have. A, I printed it out because it's such a list. And uh, I for the Red Hat certified courses – Unbelievable progress this year. Unbelievable progress over – this is like the official resource now. Uh, Also, they have Linux Foundation certs, which are getting more and more respect and valuable. I think that's a big deal. They launched the professional development certification platform. They have a new learning tool that is so awesome. Rather than just checking solutions as when you're done, you're going to get instant feedback on exercises, whether you're performing them correctly and how you should have done it instead. They have scenario-based trainings, so that way you can really work with the technology. They have instructor help available whenever you need it. They have live streams you can tune into. They have a great community because it's stacked full of JB community members. They have a really cool system where they have – you start out, you say, I want to take this course. I want to use this distro, seven distros to choose from, actually more. And uh, it then modifies the, the courseware, which is pretty cool, right? It also then modifies the VM it spins up. So you automatically get that kind of VM. You can SSH into that thing. You're really working with the technology. You're getting actual production experience. Tons of courses. Really good stuff, downloadable, comprehensive study guides. You can keep them offline, refer to them, listen to them when you're in the shower, which, I mean, hey, guys, thank you for all of you who tell me that you listen to Linux Academy stuff in the shower. You know what? I, I actually I – I might have mentioned this uh, recently, but I, I started getting so many people telling me, like, honestly, it's more than a dozen people now have told me that they listen to Linux Academy in the shower. And I, got, I was like, what is it? And I kind of got a little jealous. Why aren't they listening to me in the shower? <laughs> but then I realized it's because shower thoughts. Like, I am seriously the, my best in the shower. I come up with my best stuff in the shower. I'm brilliant. I'm a genius. I'm Einstein in the shower. I get out of the shower, I'm a mess. But in that shower, I'm Einstein. Now I understand that's why they do it. Because they're just getting they're absorbing like sponges. Ooh, gross. Over at linuxacademy.com slash coders, you get the Coder Radio discount and get signed up. Go check them out. Go get all experience with the AWS stuff. Seriously. It's a great way to do that without getting fined by Amazon for a stupid tax. OpenStack, yeah, they got that business. Docker, of course they know about that. Rsync, backup, firewalls, KVM. I mean, come on. They know everything. Now you just have to go soak up what you want. They got it all. They put like all of the brains over there over at linuxacademy.com slash coders. Also, for those of you who uh, like to watch on their Linux box without any flash, nice, sexy new HTML5 player, but the best part, kick and CDN to make sure you get those files as fast as possible. Just nice, continuous improvements over at Linux Academy. So go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. All right, Mr. Dominic, I wanted to uh, put this in your face and see what you thought about this because I think this sort of puts the whole shutting down of the bridge experiments in perspective. Microsoft has taken the wraps off of Power Apps, uh, a mobile app creation software. Microsoft has opened up a limited preview of its Power App service for creating, sharing, and managing mobile business apps on iOS, Android, and Windows devices. Power Apps, which was codenamed Project Karatos, I don't know. It's designed to allow business users and developers to create custom native mobile and web apps that can be shared simply across their organizations. The tooling framework that's at the heart of Power Apps is based on the Project Siena business development tools. God, I'm, you know, whatever, who cares? Uh, the, Microsoft, uh, the Microsoft began working on several years ago, but then kind of put off to the side, didn't really tell anybody about. Under the covers, Power App services run on, you guessed it, Azure, and integrates with the Azure Active Directory, Azure App Services, and Azure Media Services. The Power App services connect to Office 365 data via the Microsoft Graph Application Programming Interface. Power Apps are native apps that can install on iOS and Androids and, and Windows devices. Microsoft officials see three potential audience for Power Apps, business users, professional developers, 
and IT pros who will control and manage Power Apps. Earlier this year, Microsoft Job Listing described Power Apps as a possible billion-dollar business opportunity for Microsoft. A free version of Power Apps will allow users unlimited creation and use with two cloud data sources per user. The standard version will enable unlimited app creation and use with unlimited cloud data sources, including Office 365, Dropbox, Dynamics CRM, Salesforce, and more. And then, of course, an enterprise version will be available with an unlimited app creation and use, unlimited cloud data source, and on-premises data sources, including SQL and Dynamics. The enterprise version will offer users a dedicated infrastructure not shared with anyone else, plus app governance access control, and reporting. So this is essentially a way to take some interesting bit of data that your organization has on the network somewhere and fart it into a mobile app that users can view on the go. That's essentially my take on this. Is that what your take is? Can't you say VBA and access? Right, exactly. This is VBA and access for the new generation. And you know what? It is actually going to be a pretty solid idea because there's a lot of Excel spreadsheets, a lot of ODBC connectors out there, a lot of SQL databases, a lot of Dynamics databases, and you could feed them into a few apps with some crappy front ends, and Bob's your uncle, publish it in the App Store, publish it in the Play Store. Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of scary things still being done with Access. Yeah, man. Um, I worked for a very large local bank, the largest local bank in Washington, uh, and – their entire back end ran off of for the for the transactions you did at the teller station. Yeah. They ran off of each branch had its own access database, and then at night would all get merged into a system three ninety uh, system. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, man, that was what I dealt with. You know, it's funny. <laughs> the the bigger and more prestigious the company, probably the scarier the IT infrastructure. So now you have this sort of way to create really cheap, plentiful apps that you can right. just sort of pump out. Is this – and maybe some of them won't even bother with the App Store or the Play Store. You know, they'll just do direct well, sideboard. Yeah, I don't think anybody's really – I don't think these are really meant for the App Store. Right? Here's I mean, why I thought it caught my attention though because legitimately this feels like something that somebody could hire Buccaneer to do. And so now Microsoft is sort of making it something that the IT guys on-premise can do. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft has always so, – so there's two audiences they're trying to serve, right? There's the development companies, developers, and then there's the IT people. Um, I think we can both say from experience that IT people don't love it having developers come in in general. <laughs> I would they're, agree. Yeah. So I would – first of all, no one's seen this in production yet, right? No one's seen this actually running or, or you know, what are the limitations? My bet is that this will certainly be good for internal, you know, we just need to crap out a really quick, you know, like we just have an access database and we just need to like something quick and dirty, a proof of concept. I also think that's very good there. Uh, Something an IT manager could create to convince his superiors that actually having a custom solution developed is the way to go. Um, To be honest, I don't see this as a threat is what I'm getting at. I, I, I don't know if I agree with you, actually. I think it is a bit of a threat to a sort of easy business that would be easy to design templated apps for that you would just have to kind of come up with some common back-end connectors. And I don't know. I, but at the same time, it seems inevitable. So I wouldn't get all that worked up about it, but well, it does. I mean, the size of the project that I see this working for is, is relatively small, right, in terms of size of what the contract would, would be billed at. So I don't know. I guess. I, I, I don't see it really being robust. I, I don't. I could be wrong, right? But I mean, and to be fair, history is on your side. There are plenty of organizations, you know, running VBA and prod as like their main infrastructure. Um, I would also wonder, you know, what is the ability to then pump this type of application out to like a web administration portal? Or is it that they assume you're using Access or something like that, one of their other products, and you would deal with it that way? Hmm. Yeah, that would seem to make a lot of sense, actually. Right. So it seems like you have to already be in. I mean, this, my reading of this article this morning was you have to already be in the Microsoft ecosystem really deep for this to be attractive to you. Um, and, and I'll just be blunt. Most times when, when I talk to a company who's that deep in the MS ecosystem, we usually don't win the contract. Hmm. 
for the reasons of we don't do a lot of that stuff, right? So we're That's not, a good point. So if you're already yeah. this deep in. Right. Yeah. And you know what? That does ring really true to me. That rings pretty true. I mean, to be honest, my bigger problem is if somebody's on access and someone finally convinces them to move off of access, the logical step tends to be .NET, like ASP5 or ASP4, um, rather than something we would provide. Hmm. If you think about it, the, the concern is, and you, and you know this from yourself, if it's a Microsoft shop, pitching anything that's not Microsoft is, I mean, uphill battle doesn't even explain the pain, right? <laughs> uh, uphill battle, uh, no, because that sounds like you make progress and you eventually get yeah. somewhere that everybody's happy with eventually. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... it's it is not I, – I, and perhaps it's – I guess you're right. If, if we were a Xamarin shop and we were like super into the Microsoft ecosystem um, and anybody who's listening who is that, yeah, this is probably a little bit of a problem for you. Uh, but only on the low end, I would say. I still don't agree with Chris that, that this is going to be like you – know, you're, you're not going to lose a, a $50,000 development project because of this. You'll lose a 5 to 10, right? But I could be wrong. I mean, Access has been contorted to do all kinds of awful things. It should, <laughs> dude, for years. So yeah, it, you know, at the end of the day, IT managers, and no, no offense to you, Mister IT, hey now, will go with the cheapest solution. So there's definitely, and this is another problem with with us going into a Microsoft shop. It is never the cheapest solution to just dump it, right? And unless you're going to keep your existing infrastructure. And just do like an API layer. To be honest, I believe this is really the one of the big successes of Azure is uh, it, it gave people a path to stay sort of in the Microsoft ecosystem and not have to reinvest in all of that infrastructure. Yeah, that's a big market. And I, that is a, a huge strength for them. But, you know, I also think it's a weakness in, in a sense that they've really conditioned their IT managers, their development departments, uh, and just their whole community to not update things and to be, you know, a little more conservative. than Absolutely, Jeff. absolutely. Like, like really, really to the point of like, I would almost say negligence. Um, mm-hmm. I would agree. Obviously, they're trying to do it. I, you know, my real fear would be, are people really greenfield projects? Are they really, one, are they, are they really implementing Microsoft? And two, VBA? Seriously, or even access of any kind. Yeah, like that would be if you know if they had a solution where you could just do do your data in access, and then Azure would magically make you a web front end and magically make you a mobile front end. That would be more scary, right? Because I could see a lot of, you know, not to be prejudicial here, but let's say older IT managers who've you know, Excel macros were how they got into it. Right, it's worked this long. It's worked right. for me this being, long. Being really hot on that. And, and just like projects don't even get RFP'd. You don't even see like a, a call for submissions. Um, that would be a much more disturbing scenario than just being able to, to crap out a, uh, you know, an app that reads your access database, which is effectively what this is, right? They can call it whatever they want, but mm-hmm. end of the day, come on. This, this is about access. This is VBA. I think you. I think that's an excellent sum, sum, summarization, 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 some analysis. Ooh, I like that one. Some I wish, analysis. Can I just? Make a, it a, I'm going to make it a word. I'm going to own it too. I'm going to own it. it. Yeah. It. Oh yeah. No, I'm going to. I'm going to own that. I'm going to make that. Computer, what happened? Oh, what ha- okay. Well, interesting. And it was just a little bit of breaking news. Uh, this uh, well <laughs> today actually, as we went on the air, the story just came out um, literally a half hour before we started the show. And well, to be exact, 28 minutes before we started the show. And um, the thing about that was is there is nothing going on this week news wise, hoopla wise. It is. So, it's, yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's, it's not great. No. So I was I was impressed with a little bit of actual news. And it's like, wait a minute. Apple and Google aren't doing anything. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my, Google's all everybody's everybody's cashing in on their 10 uh, percent uh, time right now. So, yeah. I, I but I thought it was still like uh, there there is a little bit of uh, I think legitimate fire to the smoke where their power apps probably will be and it's interesting it's interesting to see Microsoft kind of the way they did this so there was uh, it, this there was a multi stage approach that I think we could kind of now look back at and sort of see how it's all clicking together so Project Sienna 
I think it's – I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I, uh, it was a business development tool that we heard about a couple of years ago, like almost three years ago, and then totally went on the back burner. Nothing came about it. Then uh, – um, oh, geez. I can't remember the date. I went and looked, but there was a, uh, there was a Microsoft job posting um, back I think in April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was back in April. Here, in fact, Mary Jo Foley did a, did a post on it over at ZDNet. Microsoft is working on a new set of Azure mobile-first, cloud-first microservices for business users, an effort some at the company say could become another billion-dollar business. Now, I remember catching this and being, hmm, and, and Mary Jo got the story primarily off of a job posting where, where Microsoft is essentially laying out the groundwork for these power apps in this right. job posting. So that was yeah. back in April. Then last week, we see the announcement meant that uh, the uh, uh, Android bridge had been canceled and no oh, word on the iOS sad. bridge, right? And then, yeah. and then you see this. And I'm not saying these two are a one-to-one replacement, but what I feel like it is, it's Microsoft saying this is actually where we can actually put some serious yeah. momentum, some wood behind the arrow, if you will, and this is where we're going to focus and push this forward and see where it gets us. Because if you look back at their history, like you've just surmised with Access, they've had a lot of success there. It makes a lot of sense they have a success here. And I can think of how real estate companies and construction companies and medical companies, all of uh, these... Chris, Chris, whoa, 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 whoa. Starting to scare me a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I can think of all these companies that could use something like this. I mean, this is a serious. This is. So, I think it's I, really going to work. See, I don't think this is a replacement. I mean, if you look at all these projects, um, replacement for the bridges. I'm saying, if you look at all these projects as if you were to just draw them on a board, it's almost like a, a stairwell, right? It's like a, a ladder of, you know, who is the person using this? At the bottom of the rung, the least technical, we have this thing, right? Uh, above that, we have you know, Azure Mobile Services, right, which is their, basically their answer to Parse. Um, above that, we have the bridges. Okay, so now you're a developer, but you just don't give a rat's ass about developing for Microsoft. Great. It's and like, above, let's get Crossy Road on, on I, the Windows phones quick and easy. Or, I mean, realistically, you're a company, you have iPhone deployments, and you have some for some weird reason, Windows Phone deployments. And, uh, oh, you merged with a company that accidentally bought yeah, Windows Phones. Something, something like that. Some guy was drunk, bought a bunch of Nokias. <laughs> and you know, you have your iOS vendor just develop it, and then, oh, by the way, use this bridge You know, another 100 hours. What could go wrong? Everything. That's not the point, right? My point is that there's a scaling of who is the target audience here. It's almost like those old scholastic books, right? Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. We start at the bottom with the business people or the IT people, uh, then we go up to perhaps developers who just want to do a quick front end right. using mobile services. Right. And then we go up to, okay, now we're going to support bridges, which they've obviously not done. And then above that even, we have all the support for Cordova, and now they're talking about even supporting Ionic in Visual Studio Code a little deeper. Um, and and so they the, have the open source initiatives with .NET. Right, right. They have all the open source niche. And then beyond that, I would even say the open source.net is like one layer above that too where it's a little more advanced. Um, to be honest, it does sound like they're sh- just shooting and trying to get somebody. But actually, if you look at it that way as a, as a graduated scale, it shows some pretty good forethought of, you know what, we're not doing great in this new, this more modern development. It, it shows genuine, honest analysis of their situation. Right, right. It, it's really smart. It's like, we know we're not going to win all of these battles. We only need to win two. Really. If they, if they, let, let's just take your, let's just say you're right, even though I don't think you are, that this thing it. is effectively going to stop me from being able to close small projects um, with companies that have Microsoft, right? That is awesome for Microsoft. <laughs> Because that means a guy like me can't go in and be like, well, your problem is you're using Access, and uh, we don't do Access, and for right. these security reasons, blah, See, blah, 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 blah. I remember, gonna... I remember the heyday where you would have somebody who was like the the office gal or the office guy, and then he went and took a couple of courses on Access, and now he was organizing all of the company's information. I And, and honestly, Mike, I think that – I, unless you – see, here's why this feels like a big deal to me, I guess I should say, is because I could not tell you how many small businesses I have worked in. But unless you have been a highly uh, – you know, a long term, I guess I should say, like, you know, you did like 10 years of IT contracting, you probably would have been, been in a similar experience. But, I mean, it's 
you know, I, I, I couldn't even tell you, but it's a lot of offices. And so many of them, Mike, have glued together different parts of oh, yeah. their information world with access. And the way they did it, and every time it was, they have the books, they have the Microsoft training, they got the person that comes in and sits down and does it. And before those things were there, there were entire programs the companies used to buy and pay yearly uh, support contracts to to manage this information. And now it's all in access. And you a know, lot of times, too, really nice front ends, which is exactly what these power yeah. apps will be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, not to throw more mud, but, you know, a lot of people are doing that with Salesforce, although Salesforce has made it a lot better in terms of being more open to third-party developers and having APIs. You can actually just use Salesforce as a database effectively. Yeah. Um, I I kind of, you know, why can't there be, let's call it Access Azure or something that's like that, right? That... You know what? There's a lot of things about access that are scary, but there's a lot of things such as you know your assistant can use it, and you don't have to hire a developer to do it. That just makes sense, right? I mean, I I'm shooting myself in the foot here, but honestly, for you know a small store, you don't need your own custom implementation. If you're just a one retail store, right? If you're a distributor, if you're a warehouse, anything like that, you you probably should go a little bigger. But if you're a mom and pop coffee shop. You could probably get away with it. Um, it just would be nice if they had a little more advanced tool that was a little more open, um, you know, so that when that coffee shop grew into a change, there was an easy path forward, right? I'm assuming your coffee shop did well, Chris. Yeah, of course. Or maybe it could right. be like a coffee pizza shop. Well, you're in Washington, so I'm not even going to, you know, <laughs> you guys are doing great. Hey, oh. Yeah, you. I don't know. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe the the Satya boogeyman is coming for me, and I'll just miss Balmer. But okay, all right, all right, good so. enough, good enough, Mr. Dominic. And the thing is, is you wouldn't want those contracts anyways. It'd be boring as hell. Boring as hell. You know what? Uh, I, I didn't say that. Oh, that's true. Take them. No, you know what? Boring is really boring. Is good. It is. It is, isn't it? But uh, I want to get taken to task. Okay. All right. I mean, yeah, we should. We should get to that. I, I, uh, you know, every now and then, I, I put a little kindling out there, and I just put a little. Uh, this is a serious pro tip, by the way. I'm not even joking. This is. I, I'm. I'm talking in metaphor, uh, but you'll see why. Sometimes what I do is I take a little kindling, you know, like the like you know really nice thin dry wood, and I put a little. Uh, so when you make bacon, which I'm sure you all do, at 400 degrees. In a cold glass pan, in your cold oven, no preheating required. You just put bacon in there, cook it at 400 degrees, 20 minutes. You pull it out. It's perfect. Go look at danbenjaminsbaconmethod.com. You take – then what you do, serious pro tip, take some paper towels. After you take the bacon out, you put the paper towels down in the glass pan. You soak up that bacon grease with like a – maybe, you know, a couple of layers of paper towels, okay? Then – Take the paper towels and, you know, save them in some foil. Like, just save them for whenever you need them when you're going to light a fire. And then you take the kindling, and in this case was commentary, and you take the, the, the bacon grease paper, you take it out of the foil, you put it underneath the kindling, and you light it on fire. And what you have yourself there is some serious fire starter. I, it will, you will be amazed how little bacon grease and kindling can – you'll think you pour gasoline on this business. It's a nice clean way to recycle your bacon grease, start your fire up. And metaphorically speaking, that's exactly what I did last week when it came time to talk about Swift on the server side. I put a little bacon grease and a little kindling together, lit it on fire, and man, do we get some emails. So before we get into that, I want to thank DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is another sponsor here on the Coder Radio program, and man, are we thankful for DigitalOcean. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL to get a $10 credit. CODERDIGITAL, that's one word, lowercase, CODERDIGITAL, over at DigitalOcean.com, which is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own rig. And this is why I really like DigitalOcean. This is why they're a sponsor. They have a really good infrastructure. They're all SSDs. They use Linux for the base, for the back-end system, KVM for the virtualizer with their own, you know, secret sauce there. They have a beautiful interface that is very nice to use, way better than everybody else's, but still very powerful. They have a rockin' API, tons of great open-source applications built around that API, $5 a month for the base rig. That's the DigitalOcean pitch right there. It's nuts. And you can use the promo code Coder Digital. You get a $10 credit. You tried out two months for free. You'll get started in less than 55 seconds. At $5 a month, you'll get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. 
And they have data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany, and Toronto. And they'll, oh man, like I'm talking like 40 gigabit E connections to each hypervisor, fastest SSDs in the biz. It is really nice. And you know, the other guys are trying to improve their infrastructure. Too bad they kind of made the wrong bets. But I love their interface. You should really go check it out. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL and just go deploy some applications. And they have really good documentation. Uh, they've recently introduced floating IPs, and there's some really sophisticated stuff you can do, uh, including high availability and failover and all kinds of stuff just using Docker and DigitalOcean and their new floating IP service. You can basically get what used to cost thousands of dollars a month for a couple of dollars a month. And if you use the promo code CODERDIGITAL, you support this show, you keep us going, and you get a $10 credit. Check it out. DigitalOcean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. And thanks to you guys who've been supporting them throughout the year by using that promo code CODERDIGITAL. DigitalOcean.com. Thanks, DigitalOcean. Okay. So last week we talked about uh, – in Coder Radio 180. I'm not, I guess that wasn't last – yeah, that was last week. Uh M. Boo Hot, I think is probably how you say it, right, Mike? That sounds legit. He wrote in and said, the swift hate in this episode is intriguing. Hmm. It's negative in the freedom dimension. Chris's reaction seemed to lack any technical basis, writing off Swift as a front-end-only language that shouldn't enter the server market. I take it Mike thinks investing in Swift is a waste of time, but he's highly proficient in Objective-C. And he says, to Chris's points, yes, there are already lots of great server-side languages and frameworks available. If these suit your needs already, then great. However, if you don't like JVM or .NET runtime bloat or poor performance of Python or Ruby or Node.js or the inexpensive type systems of Go, then Swift might be a good alternative. As a Java and C-sharp programmer, I would love for Swift to join the ranks of server-side languages. I can compile it to static binaries like Go, so no bloated runtime required. It has an excellent type system that interfaces with system libraries, written in C better than most languages through bridging headers. And the no-stop-the-world garbage collector should mean predictable response times. IDEs already exist from Apple and JetBrains. What remains really to be seen is what kind of standard library will be available. Yes, I agree. I certainly don't want all cocoa bad all the cocoa baggage coming to the server. If the devs can put together a standard library similar to Go's 1.0 library with an embedded web server, JSON support, and some database connectivity, well then I'd happily use it. Honestly, writing server-side code isn't any harder than front-end development. It's the zero downtime deployments, performance monitoring, database management, and other operational concerns that make back-end development a challenge. A good ops person on your team can take the language you use, which could be anything, even JavaScript. Thanks for the great show, Chris and Mike. Some pretty good points in here. And uh, I was really kind of curious when I was talking about Swift uh, if we would get anybody defending it. It was sort of kind of a little bit of bait. But at the end of the day, I still uh, – I actually – I thought a little bit about it um, later that day. And I I kind of stand by my basic premise on what my main core issues are with using Swift on the server side. But at the same time, that is an area that changes so rapidly and has so many esoteric little edge cases that it seems it seems like there's never any wrong 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 tool if your job requires it. And, and so I don't really uh, I guess on the face of it have any issue with Swift. I think what I think a little bit of what my um, the thing that really kind of got me fired up in the last episode is the way they were talking about perfect. First of all, they called it perfect. And then second of all, they said it's like the new coming of all server-side languages. Meanwhile, Apple hasn't even delivered on all of the source yet. So they're coming off, they just came across as very arrogant sort of rookie front-end, you know, hotshots. And that was sort of the more offensive thing about it. I think at the end of the day, I don't really care if you're calling a bash script through, you know, or running PHP CLI, I, you know, have added Hoss, uh, it, whatever you want to use, it, it gets the job done. Um, and I do kind of, kind of agree that you should be able to use just about any language in a system that has to be able to scale like crazy. Uh, I, I do feel like in those situations where zero downtime, performance monitoring, database management, and other operational concerns like, you know, monitoring, alerting, metrics, it is sometimes better to go with something a little more tried and true. But overall, I don't really have any issue with Swift on the server. I think it's going to be probably maybe competitive if Apple actually delivers. What do you think, Mike? Any any follow-up thoughts? Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be super competitive just because 
it's requiring change, and that's probably not um, not something that people are going to want. <laughs> that's a good point, right there. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, yeah, um, you know, he has a point, right? So the hate on Swift is kind of knee jerk. I hate Swift for other reasons, but you know, eventually, unless Apple totally, you know, Coco Java's it up and says we're not going to support this in a year, which God willing. Uh, we're all going to have to do it. And so, it might be very useful to be able to run it on the back end. It may be. I'm still skeptical. I, 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 I still don't see particular value of Swift. So uh, the, other th- point, yeah. Yeah, the other point about the standard library is, yeah. is huge, right? Because Coco is not meant for you know, servers in a very general way. Yeah, the baggage there and what they actually make available, what you and 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 what I'm and the other component about this is it's not just we're asking Apple to deliver a standard library for Linux. Right. It's got to work on a Linux box, okay, yeah. for it to be successful in a server side language. So what are they going to do there? And that so that is why I was sort of offended by Perfect's approach. I'm even offended by the name. So. Uh, we'll we'll wait and see. Apple said by the end of 2015, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if yeah, you've checked your we're, clock, we're, Apple, but uh, <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get it out of here. All right. So before we leave this week, uh, I mentioned on the pre-show just briefly. I don't know how possible this is, but what if we did like so? We have uh, we only have. I mean, I I figure we'll probably take the uh, the Christmas holiday week off here on the Coda Radio program, the 20, which would be the episode on the 21st. Our next show is on the seventh, and then right. the fourth. We only have two more shows uh, until Christmas. I know y- you and I, assuming we assuming we have something for the twenty first. I mean, that's a tough one because we could technically do it, but it'd be really nice. Just, I'd be nice to be able to shut down production at JB for that week and have everybody take the week off. But we'd probably have to come up with something clever. Anyways, right. that said, wh- I don't know if I'll remember to do this, but I was thinking you and I should pick a couple of different beers. For the next couple of episodes. Sounds good. And then the audience could crack open a beer with us and, and then we'll have a couple of beers while we're drinking well, – and we'll drink a couple of beers during the next two quarter radios. And I don't know if we'll be – I don't know about the 28th, which would be the last quarter radio of the year. It would be kind of maybe fun to come, come together and do something kind of like end of – or full year retrospective kind of thing as our last episode of the year. But anyways. Okay. That's for problems for future Chris and Mike to worry about. Uh, so you present Chris and Mike and the audience just need to go grab themselves a beer and then join us live over jblive.tv for uh, the 7th and the 14th, which will be the uh, last two shows before the Christmas holiday of Coda Radio. Wow. Holy smokes. You know, it's starting to get cold outside, so that makes sense. Mike, is there anything else we want to talk about? Anything else on uh, your list? No, I think we're good for the day. All right. Well, then I'll just plug jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get our live time in your local time, boom, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact to send us an email or coderadio.reddit.com. We have feedback threads for 181 over there. Also, you can send in links for things we should talk about. We'd love to have all of that at coderadio.reddit.com. You can follow Mike. Go find him on the Twitters. Or, you know what, just check the links in the show notes to his articles that we talked about today. Don't forget we've got the swag giveaways for the Patreons. We'd love to have you get involved in that. And there's a last jacket, teespring.com slash last U.S. or last EU, depending on your location. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. And we'll see you right back here next week. Mm-hmm.